Hello and welcome to the Points of Brew podcast. Hello and welcome to episode nine of the Points of Brew podcast with me, Stephen Carter. And this week I'm joined by a man brewing beer, which is in my dream county, so my probably my dream job in my dream location as well. Um, it's head brewer from Firebrand, Joe Thompson. How are you doing, Joe? You okay? Yeah, very good, thanks. Yeah, yourself? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. I'm very good. Um, yeah, it's, it's good to have you on, albeit given if the weather's anything like it is here down there, I think I'd much rather be uh, down in Cornwall than uh, stuck in uh, my spare room here in Leeds. So I'm, I'm guessing it's nice and sunny down there, is it? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It's been, a, it's been a nice couple of weeks, to be fair. It's a yeah. nice place to be. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd rather be down there in it, any weather than be stuck up here in any weather, to be honest. So we, uh, <laughs> our, uh, our failed trip to, to Cornwall in April, that's been postponed to October. So I feel like we've we've missed the weather and I'm, I'm missing... Uh, Missing my usual pilgrimage down there, but we'll uh, we'll hopefully get some time back in in October and, and come down and maybe even pay you a visit while we're down there if you're around. So um, yeah, absolutely. We might be in a new premises and everything by then. So. Oh, oh, very, oh, there we go. Well, something to talk about there. So um, so but yeah. So uh, thank you for joining me. I appreciate you taking uh, taking the time to to have a chat and uh, and join me on the podcast because I uh, I appreciate you'll be. Um, You'll be busy, needless to say, at the moment, and things all have gone a bit mad with the the recent impact uh, the COVID situation had on the brewery. So, how are how are things going at the moment with with brewing and and in the light of that? Yeah, good. Yeah, no, it's been busy. We um, obviously when it all happened, sort of for a couple of weeks, the sales dropped to nothing. But we um, quite fortuitously, just before Christmas, had a canning line installed, um, oh. and it sort of the sales suddenly. Obviously, people started ordering online, and it's. Um, yeah, got a bit mad. We weren't really ready for it, so <laughs> we've been playing catch. <laughs> we've been playing catch up ever since March, really. Um, yeah. But it's good problems to have, really. But... Well, yeah, I was going to say. I suppose in a, in a way, it's a it's a nice position to be in, really chasing, you know, or trying to catch your tail or chase your tail rather than having to go out and get people to buy beer. I mean, I've picked up a case last week, which arrived on on Tuesday, I think, and you know the the mixed mm-hmm. cases that you've been doing, I think, are, are great. And and as we speak, I'm drinking the um the West Coast session out of your um your new can style glasses as well so i'm i'm a oh, nice. I'm a, I'm a sucker for glassware so i had to i had to pick a, a one of your new one of your new glasses up as well so um so with with that in mind are you are you drinking anything today or are you are you drinking anything now or uh well i've got to i've got to teach some kids some phonics after after this so <laughs> right. I I'd, leave, I'd leave it for a little bit um my teaching skills are pretty poor at the best of times so, right um, well, fair enough yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I imagine being working in and around the sort of the, the brewing industry and being the brewer yourself, you kind of expose yourself to to a lot more beer than the average person anyway. At times, don't you? So I suppose it's nice to have a break well, now and again. So, well, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure how much for a break. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, no, we do. Yes, that is one of the great advantages or disadvantages, maybe. But there is a yeah, certainly unlimited beer supply. Yeah. Um, so, so you're obviously the brewer, but I believe you were the owner or one of the owners of the the brewery as well. Is that right? Of Firebrand, right in saying that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so been here since the beginning. Um, and uh, yeah, so still still one of the owners. Yeah, head brewer as well. So. Cool, lovely stuff. So, I mean, that leads nicely, I suppose, into to one of the main things that I um I had had to talk about, which we we chatted about before we before we got started, was um where where did it all begin for you then I suppose what was your journey into going I suppose inevitably from either brewing somewhere else or home brewing to then saying this is what I want to do as a job and to from the start to where you are now where did how have you gone on that journey 
Uh, well, I started uh, as most of these things do in in a pub. Um, <laughs> so so uh, yeah, so I was working in the in the local pub, uh, doing a degree in marine aquaculture, um, somewhat unconnected, um, mm. and doing a bit of part time work in a couple of breweries as well. And then right. so I was just rambling as you do across the bar to uh, a couple of locals um, who about starting a brewery would be really good. Um, and they said, "Well, we've got this old farm building we've just picked up." Um, and you know farming isn't really there wasn't much farming wise to do with it but uh, if i did a proper business um plan they'd think about doing you know converting it to brewery and backing it and that's what happened really so it was an old milking parlor uh in a farm uh it was in the middle of nowhere but not too far from the rising sun the pub <laughs> and um yeah so we put that brewery in in well 2008 um that went in and it's been a sort of a long sort of very sort of windy journey since then really yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it's it's I, I suppose like you say there that a lot of these things do either start at a pub or whilst you're drinking beer at some stage and thinking i could have a go at that taking it from there so so obviously from from there of you were quite lucky to to have the the premises then really i suppose i say that old old milking parlor what sort of scale did you did you start on then was it a a decent sized kit and compared to somebody home brewing in the kitchen or yeah well it was a six barrel kit so um one of the david porter kits you sort of see everywhere and uh you know to be fair it's still going um hmm. hopefully just about to finish but it's you know <laughs> onto like brew 3000 and something and it's still you know um still plugging away so can't really criticize that is a basic bit of kit but um yeah so that was straight up to the six barrel and uh, yeah so very much started very much doing traditional beer uh, and the mm. Penpont Penpont Brewery was the sort of brewery we started as, um, and so we did that sort of traditional real ale cask and bottles, and we did that you know for quite a while. And as as our t- or my tastes, I guess, changed, um, we sort of progressed then into other styles of beer, and then you know, five five years ago or so into firebrand brewing, uh, basically to brew something a lot more contemporary, um, you know, modern American hops, that kind of thing. Um, similar mm. sort of story to quite a few, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, I imagine so. You know, I think, like you said, a lot of people start off on the getting the fundamentals right and then experience or they're exposed to other beers. And like you say, the American beers are the hops and then kind of progress from there and, and, and tweak it from there. So it's it's interesting to, to see the story and hear the yeah. story from your point of view as well, you know, in terms of starting at that traditional traditional scene. So, I mean, from my experience of coming down to Cornwall, the, the traditional pub and beer scene you'd say has probably been the strongest for for many many years and the craft scene's still up and coming down there so you know i think that would be obviously a great place to start and then obviously go from there in terms of offering both traditional and then obviously newer style like say more contemporary style beers that are more packed with more flavor via hops and things and and whatnot so so Mm, you mentioned there whilst we were just having a chat to to introduce in terms of a new site then are you in the process of moving or are you still planning that move then and, and where is it in in terms of comparison to where you are now well we're sort of fairly long through the process really we've got the site lined up obviously mm-hmm. we put a bit of a pause on it while corona is going on um yeah. just because we weren't really sure what was happening and also we need to order more kits so there's obviously a bit of a lead time but we're just moving into launston um which is our nearest big town well, mm-hmm. big town tiny town really <laughs> 6,000 people so so yeah nearest town anyway um and 
yeah, so it'd be into just sort of a, an industrial unit, but it's where we are, it's sort of we've outgrown it and it's because it's uh, obviously not built for purpose. Um, mm. So as we've sort of expanded and doing things like the canning line and, you know, everything just getting a bit, you know, to be honest, more professional, better, um, we sort of need a better space for it. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah this, this move is part of it and getting a new brew house, you know, um, and we don't want to install the new brew house and the old thing. So we're, we're sort of going to wait and tie those together. Um, but hopefully, you know, hopefully we're going to put the order in in the next couple of weeks for the brew house. And then we're sort of two, three months away from moving. So it's sort of imminent-ish. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like you say, it's, I think it's a lot of people have, have had that reason. I mean, the, the whole COVID thing is a, a badly timed and a bad situation anyway. But like you say, to to have that just on the, the brink or the eve of you looking to move, it's it must have been a bit both disheartening, a bit annoying and frustrating that you were at the point of doing that. And then to the to extent, well, like you say, to put it back a couple of months. But I suppose it, in some ways it might allow you to take stock and kind of shift your business, I suppose, a little bit. Because obviously with, with COVID and, and whatnot, obviously... Your your shift will have been more to to cans now, obviously. Then and and do you, do you still bottle, or is it just cans now that you do? Or we do bottle a tiny bit, but to mm. honest, I, I wouldn't about doing it so much that I can't <laughs> off anyone from selling it. It's very tedious. <laughs> the nice new canning line is much better to to operate. But yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's timing wise. It's not. I mean, I think we've been quite fortuitous because we, mm. you know, if we if it had been a month later, we'd have taken on the new unit and you know paying rent on it and everything like that. But mm. without the um, without the new business to, to justify it so yeah you know in some ways it's not too bad i mean it's always frustrating but it's you know it's you know i think yeah. we've been quite Pros lucky compared to an awful lot of other people i think we've been very lucky so yeah 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 like you say the you want to want to i suppose be rattling around in a in a big space and then not be geared up for selling you know cask or keggers what you you would normally be doing because like i say that market's pretty much dried yeah. up and non-existent at the moment i imagine isn't it with all the with all the pubs being closed so so exactly. yeah so i mean normally when out of the covid situation obviously is the sort of obviously there's a demand for your beer in and around the cornwall area do you kind of get your beers usually further afield then beyond that normally beyond obviously now you're distributing nationally via cans but in terms of your kegs and cast do you find yourself shipping or supplying to further afield or is it predominantly down in Cornwall that your your market is? Uh, predominantly around the country really I think it's probably only 20-30% maybe in Cornwall the rest all you know all over the country really um, oh, okay. we've done quite a lot of direct work sort of up to the Midlands um, mm. up sort of Sheffield it was quite big um, big for beer but yeah Sheffield Nottingham up to Huddersfield we were sort of we developed a bit of a direct run up that way and and then sort of handed over to distributor and that worked quite well and we've done similar in London and the southeast so um mm. as you sort of said before about Cornwall it is quite traditional there are yeah there are places selling craft keg in Cornwall but they're in the well, they're maybe in the double digits now but just you know <laughs> still feel far between yeah <laughs> yeah exactly that it's not so you know for selling sort of the keg style things you know, you've kind of got to move out the county, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I mean, me knowingly, I mean, obviously I'm not a, a local resident, which you might be able to, to shed more light on it than, than I possibly can. But for me personally, the only real sort of craft bar, outright craft bar that I knew of was Hand Bar in Falmouth, which obviously is now closed. But beyond that, I couldn't really name another bar that just solely served craft beer in and around Cornwall. So, I mean, is that is that right? Is anywhere opened in the meantime? Or is that was that the only place, really? Uh, I guess that's the only place that's specialised, maybe. In it. But, I mean, plenty mm. of places now have, 
you know, a craft keg line, so, you know, you know, lamp and whistle, is, you know, it's just, it's a nice yeah. pub in uh, Penzance, but they've got our Nipo on keg, you know, they've mm-hmm. got after, you know, so they're selling, you know, hazy American style New England IPAs on keg. And there's quite a few places in Falmouth doing the same, and so there's there's maybe not the truly specialised just selling, um, yeah, only craft beer and keg, but there are there are mm. plenty there are plenty sort of branching out. You know, there's yeah, yeah. Um, well, I say plenty. It's getting plenty. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's becoming more and more prevalent anyway as more people embrace yeah. it, I suppose. But I mean, we've we when we come down, we stay not far out of Penzance and we have been to the, the Lamp and Whistle a couple of times and it's a, it's a great little spot in there. I, I think it's brilliant in there and we've had, I think we had one of yours either in a can or on cask last time we were in there, I'm, I'm fairly certain. But but like you say, just there's a, there's a few sort of odd little spots here and there and little little bars and pubs scattered around that are, that are serving it as well as the traditional stuff, isn't there? So it's nice to see that the demand, I suppose, is still there and you're, you're managing to support those pubs and it is, yeah. it is, and the lines are blurring anyway. I think between the, uh, mm. you know, for a little bit it seemed very separate craft beer and traditional cask beer. It was very, you know, lines were drawn sort of thing. But um, mm-hmm. I think I think the lines emerging somewhat like you know it's, as, as long as it's good beer. The, the yeah, so there's plenty of places now that only you know the micro pubs. Yeah, most of the cask stuff they sell would be classed as craft beer. Really, I mean it's mm. popped up and all the rest of it. So. Um, yeah, no, generally I think the beer seems pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And like you say, I think the, the main thing that the everyone is bothered about at the end of the day is is the beer good, yes or no. And and that's the that's the main thing. Yeah. And if you're going with a group of people, can everybody get a decent drink at the same time? That's the other other main thing, isn't it, really, I suppose. So that's the, the deciding factor. So yeah. with the beer that I'm drinking today then, the West Coast Session IPA. If that was in a pub or a micro pub, etc., would that be on cask or keg, or would you have a mixture of both? Or mixture of both. Like West Coast mm. predominantly is cask. We do a lot in mm-hmm. cask of that one. It's um because it, again, that is one that sort of straddles both sides. It's American hopped, it's mosaic equinox. Um, mm-hmm. It's got that sort of sort of fruitiness to it, but it also it it works as a nice cask ale. Um, yeah, it's it's not too you know some some of the real American ones aren't great on cask because they're i guess the sweetness they become a little bit um almost sickly almost whereas mm. you know it's got that balance to it so it works i think it works pretty well on both uh and we would sell more on cask and certainly awards so it's one in cask and keg so yeah no it's across across both really straddles both both markets I suppose and but yeah. I, the reason i ask is i could like you say that the west coast you'd say is more traditionally leans towards the the cask serving and i could certainly see myself wanting to try it on cask to see the difference between having it in a yeah. can and on cask and in keg just to see the difference between between the beers but it's good to see that you do support those different sort of avenues as well with with the different beers and the different styles so it's i'd be interested to, yeah, to I see think, that yeah i think there's a place for all of it isn't there in different uh mm-hmm. in different formats and different and some beers certainly are yeah, you know, I wouldn't bother putting some of the Nipahs in cask. I don't think it tastes great out of it. And at the same time, mm. if we brew a more traditional beer, I wouldn't put that in a keg because I don't think it suits it. But um, I think it's certainly a place for all of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think it's the the right beer for the for the right audience at the end of the day, isn't it? So it's knowing the mm. the market and how to how to serve it as well. So fantastic. So the other question that I had before we'll we'll do this one, then we'll have a, a short break, and then we'll come back for a, a few more points, etc. Um, You've recently been through a rebranding, which 
um, obviously is all across all your new cans and, and glassware and things now. So, what what inspired the rebrand really in terms of going from your old or your previous branding, shall we say, and why the the bird as well that we've we've got on the branding now as well? Is there a story behind that at all or? Um, yeah, well, as, as to the, the reason for the rebrand was basically we just didn't feel the branding reflected the beer, particularly, or the business as it was moving forward. And that mm-hmm. firebrand branding was basically done by me and us. We just, you know, and we are not graphic designers by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. So we were very yeah. much limited by some, you know, white text on a black background, um, mm. you know, make it look a little bit, you know, use a rustic font and, that, and away we went. <laughs> but we wanted something, yeah, you know, a bit smarter. So, you know, and obviously this you know, craft beer has moved on an awful lot in five or six years. Um, so we wanted something a better reflected, a lot smarter, basically, and done better. Uh, and so, yeah, that's where we chatted to quite a few people. Went to Kingdom and Sparrow in the end. Um, and yeah, we're really pleased with what they've done. Um, mm. And yeah, with the logo, that that was, uh, you know, they wanted to draw on sort of not quite heritage. That makes it sound ancient, but like. <laughs> yeah, you know, we've been around a bit longer than you know quite a few breweries, um, mm. and also sort of something about like, provenance where we came from. So yeah, the, but it also, also had to look cool, which was the yeah that was sort of the main thing. And so yeah, the the bird is sort of sort of a representation of the chuff, the Cornish chuff, which is the bird of Cornwall, um, right. which we were quite keen on. We didn't want it to look really twee and sort of you know you see something like the dutchy biscuits or something we didn't want that we wanted wanted it to look modern but yeah quite happy with that provenance and then yeah you sort of got the shape of the, the you know the triangle which sort of kind of represents the milking parlor um which is where it all started the sort of the barn shape so it just sort of yeah the logo does that job really of tying the yeah the, the history of the brewery with where we're moving forward to Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nice that it all it all ties together, and it's got a bit of a bit of everything, really, hasn't it? There, like you say, from the from the from the bird to the the, the shape of the building, the style of the building, that sort of thing. So it's nice that that all all comes together in in a logo that represents you know your brand and your history, and like you say, for, for one of a better phrase, heritage as it is, you know, for for all being yeah. not a if you can call that sort of time heritage or not, but but no, like you say, the the craft scene, like you say, is ever ever changing, ever moving and the cans and things and the, the graphics on pump clips and, and kick clips has got to be appealing and visual appealing. And certainly the, mm. the colors that are on, on the new cans and everything, the design is certainly, it stands out when it, it draw your attention to, to picking them up. So I, no, I must admit it's, it is a, it's nice to understand that, that history behind the, the branding and the logo and the design and everything that it's not just a, a random design. I thought, Oh, we'll use a bird. It's actually got some thought put behind it. Do you know what I mean? So um, no, they were very good at that. Actually, they they sort of went through and took all, you know, went through all the history and and they brought together, yeah, a whole bunch of sort of proposals. But they really did think that through. That was very good. Yeah, it's good that they're taking the time to to understand that than just taking it and run with it and, and go themselves. So, but one other further question on the on the rebrand then the name Firebrand, where did where did that come from then? Where did, where where what's the story behind that one? Well, that's because orig- originally when we did the brewery, um, when we were looking to do Firebrand as the more modern beer, we were we wanted the pumpkins to stand out. And so what we did is we got some driftwood and we were going to sort of burn the, the sort of names of the beers and the brand into the wood, mm. um, which we did about twice. And it was really hard work. And you can't <laughs> find driftwood that easily, it turns out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we obviously ditched that sort of, that the reason for doing it we sort of ditched but kept the name because we like the name mm. 
Um, mm. and, and the original branding was more of a brand as so it sort of mm. it did keep that going but um yeah that's where it came from yeah i'm gonna say like the um the older style or the previous style of of branding like you say it did kind of hark to that firebrand style of things didn't it but again it's good that you've managed to to keep the at least the the spirit of your idea alive albeit not in in you know practical means of doing it so i must imagine it must have been a bit of an effort to to do that and like you say how often do you come across driftwood so great idea yeah, in theory, i suppose but not a in practicality maybe not so uh not so easy to to achieve as well no not at all and we tried to like make driftwood and that was <laughs> <laughs> also like, like bleaching bits of pallet wood and it just ended up going... yeah it was not that didn't work <laughs> yeah but anyway yeah we give it a go that's the main thing that's all you can ask for i suppose isn't it the, you tried it and you've managed to keep it alive in in some capacity so that's the that's the main thing there but uh but yeah that's really good to to kind of get a, a history and a, and a background of the the brewery and the, and the beer itself to to understand a bit more about it so but we'll um we'll wrap that section up for there for now uh we'll come back we'll have a short break and then we'll um, we'll continue with a, a couple of other questions and go from there okay no worries right so welcome back welcome to part two i'd say refreshed but given that it's about 50 degrees in this spare spare room i don't think it's possible to get refreshed so i must admit whilst i've got this um i've got this beer on the go so i've brought my uh my water bottle with me to keep me topped up because it's ridiculously warm in this room so uh yeah so i'll uh, probably need a shower afterwards but anyway uh moving on we'll um, we'll jump back into a bit more about um a bit more about you and what kind of makes you tick joe and obviously a bit of how that then translates to um to the brewery um your own personal drinking habits for want of a better word shall we say our tastes that's probably a better uh, probably a better <laughs> word to use than, than habit um what's what's your favorite style to drink then in terms of if you if you're out or you're wanting to buy a beer in a can or a bottle or whatever it is what what style would you lean towards over over anything else uh probably sort of the west coast ipas the more um i guess the more bitter ipas still mm. they're sort of five to the ones between five and six percent still decent business but loads of yeah sort of american hops um mm. that's probably where i'd still go to i mean i do i mean i love the juicy juicy cloudy stuff as well um well and i like most beer to be honest so it's not <laughs> um but yeah i guess that's where i sort of default to now um but i mean that's change i mean that's sort of reason part of the reason why the brewery's changed so much over the years is sort of my tastes have changed um mm. quite substantially as as the sort of time's gone on um so i mean i was very young when we started the brewery so um it sort of makes sense really that the uh sort of my tastes have changed um quite a bit and and sort of what we brew has changed along with it yeah no it makes sense and and certainly from from my point of view which is hence the reason why i'm i'm drinking it tonight here because it's a low percent but b because it is also my favorite style um of the two of my favorites which would be a west coast and a, and a new england but the west coast just just edges it for me in terms of like you say the bitterness that you get from it but also that that sweetness and that fruitiness that you get from it as well it's just something that i think it has the edge over the the juicy cloudy stuff for me and it's that's why i i lean towards it more and hence why we'd we'd brewed it for for the wedding as well which obviously we'll have to rebrew again later on but but still that's that's <laughs> definitely that's definitely my style and i suppose in a way that's the I suppose it's a question that brewers, but also bottle shop or tap room owners and things have the question or the, it comes across the mind is that do I sell or make or distribute what 
I like or what other people are going to like. I suppose that runs through your mind, I suppose, in, in some ways. But I suppose if you're in the situation that you are, that you can you can do a, a bit of everything really with, you know, great success. I suppose you're, you're quite lucky and fortunate that you can manage to to nail varied styles really, I suppose. So, so on the flip side then, what would, if you have one, were you saying you like most beers, if you have a, a least favourite style or there's one particular style that you don't like, then is there anything in particular there that you'd actively avoid as such or not pick up and just not drink or? Not really. I mean, some. I guess some of the sours, um, I quite like, mm. I do like, I like the kettle sours, the really light, you know, some free tea, but yeah, the kettle sours, so some of the, you know, the Dutchester Borgnine style, you know, real wild used bretty type things i'm not hugely keen on mm. um but even then there's loads of exceptions to that so yeah you know, uh, you know quite quite ignore my own rule on that um <laughs> but i guess if yeah if i had to pick a yeah that i just wouldn't really choose um and and just a lot of the gimmicky stuff now is sort of well not gimmicky but the ones with ingredients that are just you know a bit weird i guess i've sort of gone mm. off those i think i used to you know a few years ago you sort of pick out the real the real weird ones whereas now tend to default to the more beery ones i guess um, mm. yeah yeah ones that, yeah. yeah i suppose more the sort yeah. of the that's like the i guess in a way the ones that have got you know flavorings and other things in i suppose they're the ones that are i suppose you're referring to in a way aren't you you know the, i think the I think there's still a little bit there, sort of like, for example, if you look like the milkshake IPAs and stuff like that, there's people still doing that, you know, with, with lactose and then fruit flavourings and things as opposed to actually fruit juices and stuff. There's a few of that still, you know, a few beers still playing around with that. And I think that's kind of great in a way, you know, in terms yeah. of that it's allowing people to be creative and pushing pushing the boundaries of what beer can be. But, you know, I must admit there has been varying degrees of success across, the, you know, across the yeah. many different outlets. But I suppose, you know, that's just part and parcel of, what makes craft beer so good beyond just being a run-of-the-mill traditional ale or a, or a macro beer? You know, it's you've got that room to experiment, I suppose, haven't you, in terms of you've got that creative freedom. And at the end of the day, if it works, it works. And, and if it doesn't, then you know, you, you know you don't know to do it again, do you? So, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are some great ones out there. Um, there was definitely a patch a few years ago where it just... Um, yeah, the business was just getting weirder and weirder. And it's just... It picked mm. up just sort of ingredients at random from a supermarket or something <laughs> um yeah. and in. but no i mean some of the beers are excellent i don't i don't have a problem with um but as i guess if i was defaulting on a choice i tend to tend to aim towards the uh uh the ones without those ingredients i guess but, mm. um, yeah no no i think that's that's fair you know everyone's got a, a style that they you know probably the least favor or certainly don't don't enjoy and, and for me as as criminal as it still is which i know people are probably sick of me saying is stouts for me is one that that i just don't get on with i just i just don't don't drink them and i just avoid them really now because i just i just don't get it it's probably something that maybe as a as a get older or you know the, the more the longer i drink i maybe get an acquired taste too um but for me stouts are, are something that i i avoid but i know that you if you if you brew to to things that you enjoy you've got a, you've had a couple of stouts in your lineup recently haven't you so there is stouts kind of a, a winter drink for you or is it quite a regular drink for you a stout or yeah for sort of well i guess regularly irregular i suppose like i don't drink loads of it but i, I do quite like a stout especially on a i don't know uh like a non-drinking evening i suppose <laughs> Which, yeah. uh, so 
I'll happily sip a can of, you know, like a coffee stout. In fact, uh, you know, happy sip one of those over an hour or two. Um, mm. Whereas pale ales tend to go down pretty fast generally. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's just a, yeah, no, I like them. And I, I wouldn't drink loads of them. I wouldn't drink loads of it. I wouldn't spend a whole evening drinking black beer or, yeah. you know, stouts, porters, that kind of thing. But definitely, yeah, really enjoy one or two. Yeah, I suppose with what sort of the interpretation of what people brew with stouts, obviously your your coffee stout is probably the the lower end of what a percentage of a stout would be at six percent. But obviously, if you some other breweries out there, stouts can sometimes be you know seven, eight, nine, ten percent plus, can't they? So I think uh, well, if you spend, really uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say if you spent an evening on something that strength, then certainly I think you'd um, you'd be sideways in quite a in quite yeah, a short space of time. Even the low, lower ABV ones, I find them a sort of a slower, for me at least, a slower drinking. So even mm. a, you know, a session four and a half percent stout or something or porter or whatever. Um, yeah, it's sort of a slightly slower pace, maybe. That's yeah, yeah. More, me, more me than a beer, probably. But... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, from my sort of limited knowledge of stouts and porter, shall we say, I suppose given that they're served either at sort of room temperature or on cask, you know, you're supposed to drink them warmer than you are say sort of you know the hoppier stuff you know that you keep refrigerated i suppose that that can lend itself to that you can take your time with it and obviously as it gets kind of i suppose a little bit warmer or kind of whatever you know the flavor starts to come out a little bit more so i suppose you can enjoy it a little bit more than having to worry about it going warm and you know not enjoying it as much so i suppose that that contributes to a certain extent as well doesn't it so true yeah yeah yeah. certainly not negatively affected by not being fridge temperature yeah yeah no definitely so one thing that I'll, I'll ask you then on, on that tangent is a sort of segue. I don't like stouts, but I do like black IPAs. So I've recently acquired a, a nice taste for a black IPA because I think it bridges the gap nicely between a stout and a pale ale or a beer. So from from what I can see, it's not something that you've done before, but is it something A, that you enjoy or B, would look to brew in the future or is it something that's not not crossed your mind before? Uh, well, yeah, me and one of the guys who used to work for us used to have arguments about black IPA. No, I'm not a fan, <laughs> really. I don't. I don't really. No, I just no. <laughs> don't personally don't think they overly work. I don't. I thought that trend had gone, to be honest. Mm, but yeah. it seems. Uh, but um, there is obviously a place for them. People like them. Um, mm. like I said, the guy I used to work with really liked them, and if he comes back to work for us, which he might well, I think we he'll probably for a black IPA start again. We, we, yeah, well, we try and like we try and. Um, you know, the other people who work there, especially in production, we try and get them to, you know, contribute, I suppose, to recipes and brew, you know, with a mm. bit of oversight, but still so people can, you know, brew beers that they like. So it's not just my, you know, narrow viewpoint. <laughs> <It's> a, get, <laughs> get, so we can get a bit of a broader, a broader church in there. And uh, certainly Black IPA falls into that category of one that we're quite happy for another brewer that we work with us to brew. Mm. But um, I'm, I just, no, I'm... I guess, yeah, if you're talking about styles, I would actively avoid. Black IPA would probably be there. Probably I'm there sure there's well. really good ones. I'm sure there's really good <laughs> ones, but uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can, I can kind of see why, but I mean, and like you say, the trend pretty much has gone, but it's something that I still cling to because I actually quite enjoy them. And it's kind of, for me, that's the halfway house between a, a pale and a stout. So if people are drinking stouts, so if I have a black IPA, I kind of fit in because I've got a dark beer that I can at least drink and enjoy them. So I don't, you know, I don't have to be the, the odd one out. But Mark, who... Um, from Horseth Brewery, who's um, who's been on a few episodes ago, he he has just a fundamental problem with the fact that it's called a black IPA, and it's like, how can something that's black 
be pale? How can that be a pale ale? So it's more just the, the juxtaposition yeah. in the title. I mean, he's got a couple of good ones that he does and he, he quite likes it, but it's more just the, I suppose, the, the terminology and the labelling as such that he just, just questions as much as anything. So it is a bit of a, yeah, a, bit could, of an yeah. odd one. I could get bogged down in that as well. I think, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. That doesn't quite make sense, but um, I just don't personally don't think the flavors overly work together. But mm. that's maybe I just not had a really good one. Maybe mm. for that. yeah, yeah. No, I think that's the that's the thing with with any style, I suppose, isn't it? Really, that you you kind of if you get a good one, it works. If you get a bad one, then it doesn't work. You know, and I think there's I think it's safe to say that there's across any style that can that can happen certainly for from my experience anyway, you know, in terms of if you get a, a, a good New England, you, you know, you've got a good one. If you've got a bad one, then it's like, mm, didn't really work. But again, that's just part and parcel of of craft beer and not every beer is going to get it right every time. And, you know, it's not going to be... Yeah, and you know, preferring, preferring tastes as well. You yeah, know, exactly. People, you can't please everybody. Yeah, so to me, lemon and flowers and coffee-flavoured beer doesn't work for me, but mm. <laughs> maybe it does to, you know, which would be... Yeah, but maybe, but it obviously does to other people. So, um, yeah, yeah, and and again, what you said there, like coffee and things. That's again, that's kind of the reason why I actively avoid stouts because smoke, coffee, peanut butter, things like that. The they're three flavors that I actively avoid. I don't like, but they're three big flavors that you'd normally get in a stout. So for me, it's just like yeah. it's just it's just destined to to just avoid them i think so i just i just generally generally stay clear but i appreciate what people can do with them because much like i suppose with a pale or a new england or you know sours things like that there's a lot of scope for for a stout i suppose isn't there in terms of what flavors you can put in there what what other you know if it's smoked if it's not smoked and then chocolate coffee peanut butter banana that sort of thing there's a lot of different a lot of different things that you can do there isn't there in terms of the the recipes and how creative you can be there is, there is. And I think stouts sort of lend themselves to those that you can use food a bit better as sort of flavour guides of what, because mm. obviously coffee, chocolate, all of those sort of things are used in loads of desserts. So you can quite easily get inspiration from puddings and things, you know, you know that chocolate and cherry will go together. You know that, you know, coffee, vanilla, chocolate, vanilla, all of these flavours are quite sort of well, yeah. um, you know, well around in the sort of in, in the food world. So um, getting those combinations to work you've just got a lot of scope um, mm. a lot of interesting things you can do yeah yeah definitely and you've got to i suppose tinker until it till it all comes together hasn't it so um one thing that you did say there that's quite interesting obviously i know that obviously it's kind of your brewery or the brewery and you kind of have the say of what you do and don't do and you said there that you do open it up a little bit to other people to have some sort of input on maybe styles or beers you should brew then does the how often do you do that and in in sort of the recipe design is it is it you that does the recipes or do you kind of collaborate between yourselves or um well we what we try to do is when pubs were open last year we tried to sort of we tend to have at least a sort of seasonal beer or two seasonal beers every month we were doing Mm. when we did cask and cake and at least one of those i try and get one of the other sort of members of this team there's only about four of us but um (laughs) to basically yeah, to basically go away, research, come up with what they want to do for the recipe. Mm. Um, and then I'd, I'd try and teach them a little bit about sort of recipe formulation. But then, and obviously I'd oversee it to make sure it was going to, um, you know, come up with a beer we'd want, to, yeah, want yeah. to be proud to make. But yeah, basically let them let them do the um, sort of the research and, and the beer they want. So you use, and mm. then you get that other input. So, 
you know, things like we did a really nice red IPA last October. And it's, I like them, but it's not something that I necessarily would have leapt to doing. But because we got that other input. Mm. Um, and then, and you know, we, we've done a few, yeah, a few interesting beers like that. I just quite like it. It gives a bit of, you know, and it gets everyone involved as well. Um, yeah. So, you know, whether they're doing sales or just production or whatever, it just keeps the interest going. Hmm. Um, I, sp- I suppose in a way, though, in terms of, like you say, people are either in sales or might be about and about at a festival or representing the brewery, I suppose it, it gives them more knowledge to a more passion to, to sell the products at the end of the day, doesn't it? Getting involved with it because, you you know, otherwise, if you're just trying to sell a beer that you don't really know much about the, the creative process behind it or, you know, the, the brewing process, anything like that, it becomes a little bit harder to to sell i suppose doesn't it so i suppose it's beneficial to to you and and the the brand as a whole that people are knowledgeable about the recipe how it's been created and certainly if it's their own beer that they're they're proud of as well you know that passion will shine through when when they're talking about it as well won't it yeah exactly that and and it just gives them that knowledge of what goes into the you know once they've had to calculate the ibus themselves and all the rest of it they just have a bit more of an understanding of what that means Mm. you know if you just say it's a 50 ibu beer ibu beer then you know it means nothing yeah. Unless you've done a bit of the work behind it, you've tasted a few, um, done the calculations, you know what that means and, you know, tangible hops. You know, when you talk when we talk about, you know, loading the beer late with hot you know, late hops, they sort of once they've gone through the recipe and we've gone through recipe formulation a bit about what they want to achieve and the flavours, then yeah, they just that knowledge um helps them so much in whatever they're doing. Um and it's just interesting, keeps it interesting. Sometimes mm. production you know, or any part of the, any job, I guess, but you know, it can be quite repetitive. Um, yeah. So I think keeping it interesting and keeping, you know, sort of, sort of the stakes in it um, just makes sense. I think. Mm. Yeah. No. Definitely. Like you say, I think that's the the as the the saying goes, kind of the the variety of variety is the spice of life, I suppose, isn't it? And you know, from from your point of view, it must be quite rewarding to to suppose educate and teach people and show people as much as anything to to then see that passion in that's reciprocated in, in their reception of it. And, and certainly it's something that, you know, from working outside of the brewing industry, you know, it's something that I, I must, I'd thoroughly enjoy if I was working in around it, you know, from a sales point of view to just have a, have a look and have a go and feel that you were having an input on how the, the brewer was coming along and then concurrently knowing how that, that beer is selling. So it's great that you, that you do that. And I suppose it's important for you as much as anything to, because you know, I suppose you as much research as you do. I suppose one person's idea is not as broad or varied as say, like say, four or five people across the board. Because I suppose if they go away and have a look and think, "Oh, that'd work," it's something that you've potentially not thought of before in a way, hasn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, exactly that. Or you know, sometimes people are particularly active on social media, so they'll see on Twitter some hop, you mm. know, that they've seen used by a bunch of people in America, and they've asked, oh, "Can we get this hop in?" Mm. Um, and often, you know, often you can, and it's just one that I possibly, you know, if it's a new developed one, either unaware of or just don't know much about, or um, yeah, it's just it's just having that input. And as you say, that's however many people times more research into into beer quality, which is always got to be a good thing, really. Yeah, yeah. And so I suppose in at all, needless to say, then the people that work in around the brewery, then I guess they're all in in some way craft beer fans, and they're not just sort of not not interested in beer then. Yeah, everyone there. I mean, we, we are quite a small team, so mm. it's not difficult for everyone to be enthused. But mm. yeah, no, yeah. We are, every, um, but no, every, yeah, everyone who works at the brewery is pretty into craft beer. Um, mm. 
I suppose it's a, it's a fundamental, really, isn't it? More than anything. Yeah, especially where we are, because we're quite remote as well. So it's sort of, you know, and it's, um, I guess, the nature of it. You've, you've got to be kind of into it, really. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I suppose it can take over take over your life in in more ways than one just work. I suppose can't it? So certainly, just from a, a drinking point of view, and you know, posting regular on Instagram, I don't think there's a many parts of the day where I'm not either thinking about beer or talking about beer or posting about beer. So I suppose when you you're making it and having to come up with the designs and names and recipes and stuff like that, I suppose it does get a bit more a bit more intense. And and I think a lot of people don't appreciate as much that brewing actually is quite labor intensive and it's a lot of dirty work involved it's not just sitting back and, and drinking beer you know it's very laborious and can be quite dirty work at times can't it it can be and especially we haven't really had the budget over the over the years to have much automation at all so yeah once you've sort of hand labeled or semi hand labeled <laughs> you know four pallets of beer <laughs> yeah. it's quite it's quite difficult it's quite easy for your enthusiasm to be driven away but yeah. um um, obviously these things are getting better and better as we go on but um, yeah lots of it I mean it's production work and lots of production is quite repetitive and has mm. to be because yeah. you need you know you need consistency across the beers so. yeah yeah and, and you need to be attentive as well I suppose that's the other thing isn't it really in terms of mm. you can't really take your eye off the ball for too long because like you say you need to keep an eye on it and keep consistency and make sure if you're rebrewing something that it is you know as close to if not identical to it in its last variation or iteration so it's not a case of again you can't just bung it all in a in a vat or a barrel and then just let it do its stuff can you've got to keep a close eye on it for, for quite a lot of time yeah absolutely yeah and, and yeah keep an eye on everyone who's dealing with it to make sure that mm. they're doing doing as they should yeah not not messing it up basically <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah <laughs> yeah but inevitably like i think we said earlier you know mistakes will be made along the way but if you can reduce them as much as you can i suppose that that helps everybody because the last thing you want to do is kind of get towards it the end of it only somebody you know kind of cocks it up and it's you know just about coming to the end then you've got to get rid of it i suppose that's the most disheartening thing about the whole thing i suppose isn't it yeah i mean it's not so bad now i mean you know um i think over the last few years our beer quality's improved dramatically or mm. up consistently um and part of that's just time and attention you know we've we've done yeah. a few different things over the years that have sort of taken attention away sometimes from what our core interest and in business is um and we, we've brought it back to actually the brewing which is our main has always been the main interest and shouldn't really have ever strayed away from um mm. so you know we opened a restaurant for a bit and we had a couple of shops and bits and pieces um which seemed like a good idea at the time, but in hindsight, we should have just stuck with the brewing. <laughs> really. Yeah. Um, and and it and it's paying dividends now that it's better than it ever has been, and it's improving every. You know, we've got the time to put towards education and training and all the rest of it. Um, yeah. And, and you know, it pays dividends. I think. Yeah, and that's it. And to to for you more than anything to to see the the results, but and acknowledge the results, anything. But then again, when you see, I suppose people buying it more and talking about it more and things like that I think that's kind of testament to to what you you were doing so I mean certainly from from my you know doings on Instagram and, and Twitter and things you know I, I think you have become a bit more sort of prevalent recently and um you know the name's getting out there a bit more and certainly seeing people buying more more firebrand stuff which beforehand certainly from again this that sort of thing from I suppose I'm we're spoiled here, you know, in Leeds that we've got so many breweries around, you know, and, and everyone just seems to get all those breweries. Whereas, you know, your, your Cornish breweries, your bigger ones that get out there, but your other sort of smaller ones that 
don't have a sort of a, as big a presence, don't necessarily get as further afield. So it's good to see that A is starting to get out there, their name's starting to get out there, and you know the the beers are, are getting into people's hands, which is which is the main thing, I suppose, at the end of the day. So it so is, yeah, so yeah. Yeah, I think, and I think just from our being focused, being focused on on what our core, yeah, what we want to do, which is mm. obviously same as seven up, we good beer, but um, yeah, it, that that just does help get all the beer out there, um, and and people come back, yeah, and that's yeah. the main that's uh, it's the main testament, really. Yeah, 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 and and I suppose that the proof's in the pudding, really, isn't it? You know, the end result really really shows, and like you say, if you get people coming back, then. You must be doing something right, you know, so to warrant people exactly. coming back, you know, yeah. if they didn't enjoy it, they won't be coming back, would they? And and certainly from from my point of view, not just because you're on the podcast and I have to be polite, but from from my point of view of going down to Cornwall, you you're one of the breweries that I always look for when I'm down there. You know, we I mean you're kind of the sort of more northern tip of Cornwall, probably about as north of mm. Cornwall as you can probably get without going into sort of Devon area more so. Is that yeah. right, really? Yeah. Yeah, so, that's right. Really, sort of in the first town you come to as you drive across the border. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we stay sort of more south. So like I say we near Penzance, so it's not like you're close. But certainly in sort of pubs, bars, bottle shops, that sort of thing. You know, you're one of the the brewers that I look out for whilst I'm down there because up until obviously the current situation, you know, getting your beers up in in Leeds and the surrounding areas was incredibly difficult at times. So yeah, it would be yeah. Yeah. So, but no, to have it delivered you know to to have the, the mixed case like i picked up and and delivered so so quickly is just is great to be able to get that now so given that we can't come down there it's nice to nice to bring it to us so um one thing i'll say we'll 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 quickly wrap this up in in a couple of couple of minutes and we'll we'll wrap up we'll come back and then wrap up but going back to the the new tap or the new brewery sorry my question is i've just given it away is there going to be always a plans to be a tap room on that new that brewery or yeah, there is definitely. Mm. Um, that was a big chunk of the reason for um, for moving because mm. I mean, part of uh, one thing to grow the brewery is also being a bit more public, a bit more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, because partly the nature of us, but partly just cause we've been tucked away, you know, right in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> just haven't been <laughs> and things like you know having brewery tours and things like that just hasn't been a possibility. But no, the unit yeah. that we're you know, we've been looking for and why it's taken us sort of nine months to find a unit we want is exactly for that. We wanted a tap room, a decent tap room as well, one mm. that had a decent size to it. Um, but so the one, so yeah, so we've got where we're moving to, it's got a mezzanine floor with big windows and a bar that we can, or a place we can have as a bar that can oversee the whole brewing area, production area, um, and where we can obviously sell the beer direct, but also have you know, do things that we, we can't sell to pubs. So things like the barrel aged yeah. beers uh, that we can, you know, potentially sell straight out of the barrel or, you know, tank aged lager, things like that. Things that mm-hmm. aren't practical to sell to pubs, but we can produce in the tap room. So, no, it's quite exciting to, I mean, I don't know when tap rooms are going to be allowed to open, but mm. it'll be quite exciting to, to have one when, when that is the case. Yeah. No, and like you say, it's a shame that we can't sort of be more definitive in terms of when A could working on it but be obviously opening it to, to the public and obviously when you can open it to the public in terms of what capacity and what scale you can open it you know that's there's that big question mark at the moment i suppose but being able to to capitalize on the people coming in and out of the county i suppose that's the the main thing there isn't it you know because until you know obviously what we are in present but up until then without people being able to come around and have a look around the brewery and necessarily telling direct it's i imagine you probably 
quite difficult. And again, it just helps get your name out there, doesn't it? That people can, you know, just pop in, buy buy a couple of cans, or you know, have a quick drink or whatever. So it'll it'll you know sort of help no no end to to getting the the name and brand out there, will it? So so now that's good to good to see, and hopefully that'll you know that'll be something that people can look forward to and certainly you can look forward to and getting open and, and having that shiny new brewery sometime sometime soon when we know a little bit more about what's uh, what's going on for sure so but we'll um we'll uh, we'll wrap that up then we'll uh, we'll have a, a couple more sort of points and then we'll wrap it up and then we'll uh, we'll go from there okay cool right so welcome back everyone so just a couple more couple more points and then we'll we'll wrap it up and then we'll uh, we'll go from there because i'm sure the last thing that you want to be doing joe is probably sat in a in a sweltering sweltering room like i am so we'll uh, we'll try and make it as uh, as quick as possible so just looking back to what you'd said about the styles that you do enjoy stroke don't enjoy from a brewing perspective then are there any styles that you haven't done yet that you would like to do or you have done that you wouldn't do again or anything like that has anything come have you come across any either of those two or uh well on the stars that we want to do um kettle sours we've not brewed kettle sours before um Mm -hmm. i've just got a couple of test batches going in the moment actually um just little sample batches um Mm. experimenting with a few different techniques and that so we'll be doing a kettle sour because I really like that sort of sub four um, percent refreshing mm. fruit sours that sort of thing. So we're definitely going to do one of those. Um, most other stars I think we've done because it's the, it's the benefit of having the freedom of being able to brew what you want. Yeah, <laughs> I tend to <laughs> brew things that I like. So um, some of them we'll do again. Things like hoppy say. I mean, I love American hop saisons. You know, so right. we'll definitely do a few of those again. But um, on beers that we've brewed before but wouldn't, I think. It comes back to that to use using the the odd ingredients, I guess. Um, mm. Too many times in the past, I mean, we haven't brewed on for a few years, but too many times they're either underwhelming or um, they're always a pain to clean out. Always, <laughs> just <laughs> you know, if I can picking juniper or lemongrass out of pumps for <laughs> things um, is enough to put you off. But I guess that's probably the main one. Is yeah, because they're. It's, I guess it's just a bit more trial and error, and we just have to mm. do a bit, do a bit more trialing. But to my, for my money, they're too often underwhelming. Um, so we probably mostly stay clear of of anything like that, really. Mm. Uh, that, yeah, we, yeah. that we've done before and we've tried it. Um, and that's yeah, it's probably about it, about it. Yeah, no, it makes sense, and you know, certainly if you've had sort of varied results, and if it's more laborious than than the end product, certainly from from what you're wanting to achieve, then I suppose it, it makes sense, really. But the the kettle sours, I'd, I'd definitely be be interested to see how how that comes along, and you know, in terms of how how consistent that you, you can make them, and you know, how frequently you can make them. Because to me, a, a sour is a, is a great summer drink, and certainly like on a on a day like today, is just such a great drink to have. And like you say, the the percentage that they're coming at most of the time. It do, it's not really that strong and you can't taste that strength but certainly just the the fact that you usually get such a, a fruity punch from from the beer itself it doesn't even feel like you're drinking a beer anyway so you know it's that yeah. nice refreshing element that i actually quite enjoy and certainly if i was on a on a beach down there somewhere certainly something that i'd definitely want on a, on a hot day as opposed to a, a thick new england beer certainly 
Yeah, exactly that, and that's yeah, that's what I really like about them. Um, and I've had quite a few from other breweries that I like, and that tends to be how you, um, well, sort of get enthused about different styles of beer. Is trying nice mm. ones from other people. Um, so yeah, that certainly will be in in the next month or so. Yeah, cool. And with us, obviously, with the plans to to move to the bigger site, then obviously you said you'd, you'd keep the small stuff. Will the smaller the smaller kit be used for for that? Then sort of more experimental stuff that you'd, you'd want to well, sell direct to people, or is it still still use it for your, your regular stuff as well? Or oh uh, well, we're gonna lose the old brew the brew house because that is old. I mean, that is mm. falling you know falling apart really. Yeah. Um, but we've we've picked up new fermenters and we're getting some new sort of thousand liter fermenters. As well as the sort of the bigger, yeah. So we've we've just purchased a bunch of three thousand stainless steel ones. Mm. We get a bunch of thousand liter ones, and they're and it's there for those smaller batches, so we can do, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, maybe not like wildly experimental, but certainly um, one-off beers and sours and you know, different different nipers, mm. different double IPAs, things like that. Um, and and yeah, and and do them do them to the quality that we want, which needs those new steel vessels, really. So yeah. Yeah, that's it. And and the last thing you want to do is brew a beer that, you know, for example, that you weren't happy with, but then having to brew it on such a large scale and then be putting something out there that you're not overly happy with, you know, having a smaller kit, I suppose, allows you to, to have that bit more freedom without having to commit to it on, on such a large scale, doesn't it? So, um, Certainly that. And some beers just don't suit to having, you know, we wouldn't want 3,000 on our scale. We wouldn't want 3,000 litres of a sour beer or mm. an imperial stout or something. You know, if you don't, you want to sell the beer fresh. Um, yeah. and yeah, things like the Nipahs as well. You want, you want, would much rather brew it once a month, for example, once every couple of weeks than brew up three months worth in one go because it's just not, yeah, you know, with, with these hoppy beers, the freshness is the aim of the game, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You want to get it to people as, as quick as physically possible and, like you say, as, yeah. as, as fresh as possible in the, in the best, best possible quality. Um, with, with the, the smaller kit in mind, then, does that in a way allow you to? tailor a recipe or perfect a recipe for then committing to a, a larger scale then do you find that that you can kind of have a few goes on that and then get the recipe right and then kind of go from there or is it just again either way regardless on the size of the kit is it a bit of bit of trial and error really uh no but we tend not to get too much wrong touch wood first go mm. around we sort of tend to put quite a lot of research and effort into the you know quite a lot of research into every beer before we brew it and make sure mm. the numbers stack up and um there's very rarely much we need to do to it. Um, you know, some some have changed, I guess, over the years more. You know, I think West Coast is, or West Coast and graffiti have got less bitter. But that's more of a gradual thing, and I think as tastes have changed a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, but no, we we tend not, we tend not to do really small batches. Maybe do a sort of a, a half size batch. Hmm. Um, but it's it's less to do with the uncertainty around the recipe and more just we don't want necessarily a thousand liters of a beer sitting around um we'd yeah. much rather do a slightly slightly lower amount and get it out yeah definitely like you say the last the last thing you want is just sat cooped up at you know in, in your warehouse or wherever it is and then not going because then you know inevitably when people do get it it's like you say it's not air fresh or b potentially and it's it's best possible you know it's best possible version is it really so it makes sense that you you kind of brew to demand i suppose really don't you yeah, exactly that. And that's, I mean, that's the thing about small breweries is, you know, we should all, well, hopefully, as much as we can, put sort of the, the taste and the quality of the beer first and foremost. And so mm. if that means a bit of extra work, obviously it would be cheaper to brew it once every three months. But, um, 
you know, that, that's not the aim of the game, really. Um, just no. to bang out cheap beer, you want to make it as good as possible. Yeah, so exactly. More you, you won't, yeah, you won't, you won't be doing what you were doing at the end of the day if that was all you were trying to have yeah. a, an easy life, would you? So, you know, <laughs> and obviously, you know, <laughs> endless nights, I suppose, of probably, like you say, packaging and bottling and labelling and things like that. Again, you wouldn't be in this game if that's what you were trying to actively avoid, would you? No, if we wanted to get rich quickly, I would not be in this industry. So, it's no. not <laughs> so no. no, no, it's it's definitely not a a get rich quick scheme, is it? In terms of either having a brewery or be having a a taproom or a bottle shop, you know, I, I think that's kind of a a fallacy of what people kind of perceive in terms of craft beer. Really, don't they? You know, you see a brewery start from not a lot to to get into sort of to to your scale, even for example, you know, people, oh yeah, you know, you must be, you know you know minted and you know i should rake it and it's like well actually you know it's doing all right it's doing well but you know like you say you're not you're not in it to to get rich quick are you no exactly that no not at all yeah so yeah so that's probably one of the um like i say one of the, the fallacies or one of the misconceptions certainly of uh of what people perceive craft beer but again like you say you're not trying to be the next big beer so you never you're not going to get to that scale really are you so um the only other thing that i really had then joe before we um before we kind of wrap up for for, for definite now is that um penpont is it penpont ales kind of a sister sister brewery that you guys run then is that is that you guys that do that or is that kind of a, a side sort of side project for you and is that more obviously traditional and then sort of more cask as opposed to bottles or cans or is it a bit of both or yeah exactly well yeah the more traditional so basically penpont is what we started as so back in 2008 um, all right okay we started as penpont beer or penpont brewery mm. Um, and then, as I sort of said, uh, yeah, early as our taste changed, you know, I mean, I, I was only 21 when we started the project of mm. Ten Pond Ale, so like, I guess my taste hadn't, you know, and craft beer is only just starting. And so as our taste went on, wanted to brew these more modern style beers. And Ten Pond Brewery was just too traditional. The branding was too traditional, um, you know, to, to sell those beers. So as time went on, we sort of transitioned into firebrand brewing. Um, mm. But then there is still a place for those traditional beers. I still like them. I'm still proud of them. Um, and there's certain, you know, sort of traditional pub settings, selling it in cask and doing the darker beers. And what we didn't want to do is sell traditional English beer under the Firebrand name because we wanted Firebrand to represent modern American-style craft beer. We didn't want to sort of muddy the waters. Mm. Um, so we sort of kept we've kept on doing the Penpont ales as you know we don't sell a huge amount of it, but it's uh, yeah, that's sort of a traditional English style ale. Um, and what we do with that in the future, I'm not exactly sure whether we'll completely combine them or get rid of the pinpoint ales or keep doing it. I don't, I don't exactly know. It's been a sort of mm. ongoing question, yeah, really. Yeah. It's, it's almost, yeah. it's almost made it more confusing by keeping on doing both. Um, yeah. A bit of a confusion over who we are and is one mm. a contract of the other, or I mean, it's not. It's all us, but it's just. Um, and they're very different beers. They're brewed in different ways. Sort of the pinpoint ale mm. stuff is all all English ingredients, all English hops, sort of thing. Um, no dry hopping, more that sort of English ales, and as you say, cask and bottle conditioned. Whereas firebrand brewing is all, uh, you know, well, all sort of influences, but more that American style craft beer and keg can that sort of thing, as well as the cask. Yeah. So, um, do sort of a clear difference in our head, but whether that always translates, <laughs> I don't know. But um, yeah, that's, that's where it is. Yeah, and but I suppose in in terms of what you you're trying to do there and kind of have a a distinguished sort of difference between both sort of brands as it were. I mean, if, if I certainly saw that out and about, I wouldn't 
associate that with you guys at all because again like you say it's more it's branding the name in that sort of thing you know it's all very different and very more traditional um but i kind of get where you're coming from that you know that at the minute if it's served more on cask that the uncertainty there is that well if there's no demand for cask beer then as as the here and now of it you know in terms of continuing it i suppose that's the the biggest question i suppose isn't it really there is there is and it's uh, yeah it's just a little bit I'm just aware that it looks a bit confusing about, you know, mm. who we are um, and why are we hiding behind two different brands? Well, not hiding behind, but, you know, it makes it look... Mm. It's, just, it's just a bit confusing. Um, and, you yeah, know, as pub back open, the demand for Penpunt Ales will increase, but, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how we mm. how we play that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose, obviously, as much as anything, if, if you guys are having to fit into your brewing schedule, I suppose it fits in, it has to fit in with everything else you've got planned in the meantime, because I suppose you've, you've, you're planning already quite quite far ahead in terms of what you're wanting to do, so it's got to work for you guys as well, hasn't it? Well, that's the other thing, it's because it is a slower seller, it's a steady seller, but it, it, they are slower. Um, there is that point, I'm just demand on the brewery schedule, you know, I'm not quite mm. sure, like, if pubs open now, I'm not quite sure where we'd fit it in. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so that might be, so it'd be quite nice because that would answer the question for me, which would be nice. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But with that in mind, then, sort of, how how far in advance do you do you plan your schedule? Then is it is it quite far or not as far or not that far? No, so, no. <laughs> yeah, end of next week maybe. Um, right. You know, it's been at the moment because we've been busy and our schedule's been full. Actually, mm. we have had to plan sort of a couple of weeks in advance, but. Um, mm. It's often quite flexible, and because we're quite small, you know, the brew length is quite small, but we can brew more than once a day. So, you know, if we need to, yeah, if we haven't planned all that well, we can just brew a couple of times in a day and catch up. So it's not been, you know, hugely essential until now that we we have done that forward planning too far ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so I wasn't sure if it was them things that you kind of you plan it meticulously that far in front, or given the current climate, certainly, I suppose, in some ways, you can't necessarily do that really can you but it's interesting to see that like you say it's you know it's quite immediate that it's sort of a week or two weeks in advance that you know that you're planning it and already thinking about it so so yeah but i, I guess that that changes from from brewery to brewery and size and demand i suppose doesn't it yeah and it depends on it and then we've got quite a few different beers we brew so you know maybe if we only had a few we'd probably it'd be a bit easier to plan but because you've got so many you know the sales of each one dip up and down it's quite difficult to predict sometimes Perfect. So I think that pretty much comes to the end of everything that I certainly had to talk about. And I think I mentioned to you, Joe, whilst I was off air, it'll be nice to have a podcast that clocks in and as closer to the hour mark than it does to the, the two hour mark for a change. So it'll make editing a little bit easier, certainly. But um, but thank you for thank you for joining. I uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to to come on and have a chat. And and like I said before, it, off air again it's not nice necessarily listen to yourself back if you listen to the podcast when it's out and about but thank you for for doing that i appreciate it so um for anybody who doesn't follow already um the 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 accounts and sort of social media pages firebrand you you guys are pretty much firebrand beer everywhere is that right yeah i think so firebrand brewing on instagram twitter and facebook i think yeah maybe firebrand brewing on facebook um but yeah pretty easy to find yeah cool and it, just out of interest, then is that is that you or somebody else that runs that? Is... Uh, we've got uh, Phil mm. who works with us. He he runs that now. Um, I'm terrible at social media already. Um, so... <laughs> In the end, yeah, no, he he does a good job. Yeah, well, I didn't I didn't know if it was Phil necessarily because I mean it was Phil that kind of put us in contact to do the podcast in the end, wasn't it? So I wasn't sure if he ran it or just kind of answered a few emails here and there. Or, but yeah, but um, you leave it leave it to somebody else to to deal with all that palaver. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I dip in and out, but I'm not very good at it. So it's, uh... <laughs> you just stick to brewing beer, then, yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. Stick to wine. Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> and you're doing a good job of it. So what you can't say fairer than that, I suppose, Thank can you? you? So <laughs> wonderful. Thank you. So yes. So uh, so for anybody who's not following uh, Firebrand on any sort of social media, Instagram. Twitter, Facebook, that sort of thing. Please, please go give them a follow and, and check out the beers that they're uh, they're putting out there because I can't, you know, praise them enough. Certainly from the last few years that I've been drinking them, they're putting some good stuff out there, and it's good to in these these times to support local. So if anyone's not following them, please, please do 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 so. Um, for me, for anyone who's not following me by now, um, I'm pretty much points of brew everywhere on Instagram, Twitter, and also now Facebook. So. If anybody's got any questions, comments, feedback, anything like that, any suggestions for people who want to be on, or if, if you're listening and you want to, to have, a, have a go, then by all means, get in touch. Send me a message on any of the channels, or if you prefer to email, um, you can email me at pointsofbrew at gmail.com. But un, until then, um, bye for now. But th- thanks again, Joe, and hopefully I'll uh, be able to meet you again as well. Again, meet you at some point and talk to you again sometime in the future. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. No, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.